From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., the Joint Finance Committee wrapped up its work on Democratic Governor Tony Evers' proposed budget last week. The panel finished by approving a half billion dollars in tax cuts. The revised budget proposal now goes to the Republican-controlled legislature. What are some of the key provisions in the joint finance version of the budget that would have significant impact on Wisconsinites? Evers ran on three main things. Uh, one, he said he wanted to, you know, to paraphrase him, fix the damn roads. He wanted to invest more in public education, about $1.4 billion for K-12. And third, he wanted to expand Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. Well, Republicans did have a transportation package in the same ballpark as Evers, but funded differently. Uh, he wanted to increase the gas tax. They went the fee route. The Republicans approved $500 million for schools, whereas Evers wanted $1.4 billion. They didn't do the Medicaid expansion. So did Governor Evers get enough of his you know, bottom lines on the document, or can he rework it? While it cleared the Joint Finance Committee, there's still work to be done uh, because in the Senate, you have 19 Republicans and 14 Democrats. Republicans will not rely on Democrats to pass that budget. He's got to find the 17 votes in their own caucus. We've already had uh, Senator Dave Craig um, from Big Ben saying that he's got grave concerns about the excessive spending, to paraphrase him. Uh, Steve Noss of Whitewater has said, he thinks that he's got problems with the structural deficit, with the transportation package, um, the capital budget, and that it gets harder every day to vote for the thing. And there's Chris Cappinger from Delafield, who has been quite quiet, but people assume that he's one of the ones that you got to watch see what it, what's he need in terms of maybe possible changes to vote for the budget. So there's a little work legislature, and then it becomes that question about Evers and that veto authority. What's he going to do with the bill? In another development last week, the Wisconsin Supreme Court reinstated nearly all of the legislature's lame duck laws, which limit Governor Evers and Attorney General Josh Call's powers. The legislature passed the bills in December, and several lawsuits have ensued. The high court ruled in just one of them last week. Were you surprised by this ruling, and what limits are now on Governor Evers' powers because of it? No, wasn't surprised. If you talk to people I've talked to around the Capitol, you know, they've seen signs that the conservative majority on the state Supreme Court is going to end up siding with Republican lawmakers about what they did in December. I mean, in there are two cases that have been part of this uh, state state lawsuits that the Supreme Court's um, taken up. The court heard, heard oral arguments in one of those cases. Three of the conservative justices raised serious concerns about the argument from Democrats that this was not appropriate, what uh, Republicans did, sent a very clear message that those three at least were likely to uphold the law. Uh, the fourth justice wasn't very vocal, but we kind of saw where the court's going in those arguments because of the signals they've been sending so far. The only thing left right now is of all the things that Republicans did, I mean, like limiting uh, the attorney general from getting out of lawsuits without approval of the legislature, um, those kinds of things. The only thing left is things called guidance documents. So when the state approves a law, the agencies um, propose rules to implement it because a law can't envision every scenario it might have to deal with. Well, beyond the rules, there's things called guidance documents, which help provide advice to people on how to comply with these laws, these rules. The law said that every guidance document had to be reviewed by July 1st. 
otherwise it'd be rescinded. The Supreme Court left the stay in place, preventing enforcement of that requirement because basically what it said was, hey, these agencies have been operating all along on the assumption they wouldn't have to do this. We can't force them all of a sudden to take less than three weeks to figure that stuff out. So that remains on hold. Everything else is back in place, placing restrictions on what Evers and Call can do. And we're kind of operating under the law the way it was written in December. And finally, Governor Evers has recreated Wisconsin's pardon board, something that his predecessor, Republican Governor Scott Walker, had abolished. Evers fulfilled a campaign promise in restarting the board. Why did he feel the need to do so, and what kinds of cases will it consider? Well, uh, Governor Evers said the announcement that he believes in redemption, and um, that's part of why he did this. Also, he's made clear that he thinks that there needs to be a pardon process. Uh, what they have in place now, it's actually, there's a website you can go to apply for one. Uh, if you committed a felony, you've had to stay out of trouble for five years. And if you are somebody who is on a sex offender registry, you cannot apply for a pardon. So uh, once you apply, it'll go through this eight-person board. It will review the application, make a recommendation to the governor, and then the governor will decide whether or not to grant the pardon. But I would, people are looking at saying, okay, the process is going to start moving again. We're going to see pardons coming out of this body and from the governor because he's made clear this is a something he wants to do um, to give people a second chance. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.